Greetings one and all, wherever you are in the universe, and welcome to the latest episode of An Espresso Shot of Confidence, the podcast that challenges taboos and unhelpful narratives, explores confidence from all different angles, and empowers you to be awesome, loudly and proudly. It's time for you to grab a drink and settle in for the next 30 minutes or so. I'm your host, the master of awesomeness, Ashley Griffiths. And today we're going to talk about all things creativity and how that plays out in the modern world. But first things first, what is creativity? Now, I love this quote, and it's by one of the most creative people that's ever lived on this planet, Albert Einstein. And he said, creativity is seeing what others see and thinking what no one else thought. And I like that because it really captures the subjective nature of life. We all see the world differently. We all have different gifts. We all express ourselves in different ways. And humans, through their creativity, have achieved great things and continue to achieve great things every single day of the year. And there's this myth that creativity that refers just to the arts, but creativity shows up in all aspects of your life from problem solving to daydreaming. Every single one of us has stories to tell and unique ways of solving problems, finding solutions, and having fun. And as Ken Robinson, the father of creativity here in uh, the UK, who argued throughout his life about the power of creativity, said, imagination is the source of all human achievement. And I believe that's the case on an individual and a collective effort. Just look around you. Just look around you right now. None of this would have been possible without creativity, without someone first thinking, you know what, I've got that idea. How about we created light that doesn't need the sun? How about we created these devices that would enable us to connect with people in different countries? How about we created these vessels that would carry our food and drink around and keep it fresh? And even you just right now, at some point when you were a kid thought, you know, This is the life that I would like to lead when I'm older. I'd like this job. I'd like to live in this house. And at some point, you've made some, if not all, of those things into a reality. And at times, that's probably involved a wide variety of creative solutions for you to be able to do that, for you to be able to save the money, for you to be able to get a promotion for you to find the opportunity you saw a house that was in a bad state maybe even your car 
you saw, wow, yeah, that thing's falling apart. Well, that house needs a lot of work. And you managed to get it for a much lower price, which freed up extra money for you to then invest in turning that shell into your dream house. You see, we're all creative. We all have stories to tell. We all have ways of solving problems. Every single one of us. When people turn around and say to me, oh, no, I haven't got a creative bone in my body. I don't believe that. That's simply not true. It's just that the narrative that we've exist in in the modern world likes to put everything into boxes. This person's really good with maths. Oh, yeah, this person's really creative. They can make things. Now, creativity goes into maths as well. There is no way, there is absolutely no way that some of these solutions that have come out of the maths world would have ever happened if people didn't take the time to find creative solutions, to play around with things, to get curious, to think, okay, well, what happens if I switch these numbers around? Or how about we take that and put that there and then put that there? And they created solutions by playing around with the different areas of the puzzle. So I want to explore this topic a lot because it's very, very pertinent to the situation we find ourselves in the modern world right now. And there's two areas that I'd like to look at today and explore. The impact of standardized education and the rise of the machines. Before we get into that, let's just take a trip down memory lane. I want you to think about when you were a kid. All those years ago, longer for some of us than others. But go back to those years, you know, when you were four, five, those first memories you have. So as you're going down that trip, as you're visualizing those formative years, are you thinking about the maths classroom? Or are you thinking about your, your toys, your games, those random games of hide and seek with your parents or your grandparents, your favorite toy, those days where you just made things up with your friends, those rock concerts you created, that time you won the World Cup. That way you were able to express yourself and articulate yourself in a way maybe you didn't truly understand at that point, but weren't able to do when you were at school or around your family, playing with your dolls, your teddy bears, you've got your teddy bear picnic, you're creating these worlds, you're smiling, you're laughing, you're discovering a whole new world while playing. You're creating them. You're destroying them. You're creating new ones again. Do you remember that? I don't know if you can hear it in my voice, but I'm smiling as I talk about that. Those fond memories really 
yeah, just bring back some amazing memories for me. I, days on the beach, we used to caravan a lot as we were kids, just creating these worlds and dens and things like that in the middle of a farmer's field. Amazing what you could do with some twigs and some rocks. <laughs> Truly amazing. I won the World Cup about 50 times. Wow. As multiple different nationalities as well during games of Wembley and things when we were kids. <laughs> I was the world wrestling champion numerous times and formed a couple of rock bands. And this was all through play. And this was all through experimentation. Now, sadly, the school system now leaves little room for creativity because there's an increased focus on standardized testing, on league tables, on tick box exercises, which has left teachers pulling out their hair and leaving the trade and kids increasingly more anxious because of the pressures that are put on them at a younger and younger age. Just last week, I was reading stories of kids walking out of their SATs exams, which is an early year examination here in the UK, in tears, thinking, oh, it's too hard. I can't get that. And that's damaging at a young age. Because if they are literally going through that and thinking, well, I'm stupid, I can't pass this test, and only intelligent people pass this test, that's dangerous. Because that can get bedded in, that thought can get bedded in. And that's only going to play out throughout their lives. They're going to be traumatized about the exams. Now, obviously, the teachers, parents, everything, the society around them can nurture them, can tell them that it's just a piece of paper and a piece of, you know, it's not the be all and end all. But sadly, at the moment, these exams are positioned in that way that you, to be successful in life, you have to pass an arbitrary test. And this amazes me, really, that this is still the narrative. When you look around you, that some of the most successful people in this world have very little education. What does that tell you? You know, these people came out with creative solutions. They fought outside the box. They were not prepared to get stuck into a box that education put them in. They refused to conform. I mean, there's a lot to be said for that. So coming back to Ken Robinson, he believed that standardization, standardized testing, this focus on exams, on academic achievement was fundamentally damaging, not only to the kids, but to society as a whole. Because if you think about it, if you are literally going through an education system thinking, okay, well, if I do this, I tick this box, then, then I'm okay. That's not going to create out-of-the-box thinking. No, there's a reason why organizations continually complain about the level of creativity that's coming out of university systems around the world. 
because these people are just doing what they need to do to get through because that will guarantee them a, a, a seat at the next table along. So you pass your GCSEs, that means you can go get your A-level. You pass your A-levels, that means you can go to university. University, that means you're going to get a job, which totally simplifies the whole process. So if you think about it, that success comes from an exam, that creates a very narrow focus. When you're in that place, when you're tunnel visioned and you're just focused on a specific outcome, that is not fertile ground for creativity. You're not going to think about, you're not going to think of out of the box solutions because, well, that's not the right answer. And that is dangerous because this pursuit of right, wrong in education completely ignores the nuance of a subject, completely ignores the joy of trial and error and makes it very hard to get into a flow state. And it's in those flow states, in those spaces where you are literally immersed in an activity where there is no right or wrong answer, where failure is really not a problem because failure doesn't exist. When you're willing to play, to experience trial and error, that's where the magic happens. That's where the magic happens. And that's when you can start finding creative solutions and start exploring the, the boundaries of your knowledge, the boundaries of your competence and discover skills you might not even know that you've got the potential to do. Instead of thinking, okay, well, you know, for me to be successful in life, I need to be good at maths. What does good at maths even mean? What does it even mean? If that's not your passion, do you even need to have a huge awareness of applied mathematics? Why? Why would you need that? If there's someone else that can do that, let them go ahead and do it. If your zone of genius lies elsewhere, then doesn't it make sense to explore that? And yes, if there's other areas, if there's other subjects that you can bring in that are going to enhance that, that at this particular moment you might not be good at or might not have any competence at, well, then apply that creative mindset, that growth mindset and go, okay, what is possible here? What can I learn here? What steps do I need to take and how can this help me? That just brings so much curiosity into the room other than, well, if I don't pass this test, then that means I'm not good at this subject. That's nonsense. And I'll give you one example of that. Maths. Maths and accounting. I have always did really poorly in those tests. Always did. And the reason for that is when I've got numbers in front of me, I like to sit with them. I like to see patterns. I like to explore the numbers. 
I like to understand where the numbers have come from. I think that's probably why I like Sudoku so much. But in exam conditions, I had X amount of time to answer 95 bloody questions. The issue wasn't my maths. The issue was my time management, my exam management. And the fact that it just didn't fit in with the way that I interacted with the subject. Now, I could have just said, well, yeah, I'm never good at maths. That means I'm stupid. I might as well just give up now. I was like, no, I like this subject. I'm just not particularly good at doing exams in it. So on a piece of paper, it says I'm maybe not that great. At it. Give me time. I'll work on it. There was a reason my numbers were always really good in my management careers. It's because I sat down and I took time to know them know where they came from. I knew my numbers, which made me an absolute dream for operations managers because <laughs> I was pretty much the only one who did. So it's so easy to get pigeonholed into things that are just simply not true. So coming back to that trial and error, that curiosity, that willingness to explore and see what is possible. I'm going to again quote Ken Robinson here. And I love this quote. If you're not prepared to be wrong, you'll never come up with anything original. And it's so true, right? Because if you're literally just searching for perfection all the time, you're setting yourself up for disappointment. Because, A, there is no such thing as perfection. Yes, there is a such a thing as competence, for sure. There is such a thing as being more than good enough. There's always something else you can learn, refine. There's always a different way to try things, a different perspective. New ways of thinking, new technologies. So to think that you've reached some peak state and there is no way to improve is, well, a surefire way to get complacent, for sure. Now, coming back to the wrong and right thing. So in neurolinguistic programming, one of the key tenets of that is that there is no failure, there's only feedback. And by exploring this over the years, you've got many successful business owners, massive breakthroughs in sciences, works of art, amazing photography, some of the code we're using right now, all came about from people being curious to explore what was possible to be creative, to do amazing things. Those people tried and tried and tried again. They kept on finding ways to find a solution to problems. And along the way, they found more problems. 
and then they ended up sometimes finding solutions to problems they didn't even start looking for in the first place. And that is the joy of that. That is the joy of it. That's the joy of creating the space for being creative. They got into a flow state. And as Brené Brown likes to say, they had the courage to dare greatly. To put their reputation on the line. To put their whole perspective of who they are right now on the line. To do something bigger. To do something better. To do something that lit them up. And it's an amazing thing. I, I truly love it when in my job, when I'm creating videos, I love just having the space just to be, to let my personality out to play, to find different ways of saying things that have probably been said millions of times before. But knowing that they haven't been said by me at that particular time to my particular audience with my style and certainly not with my sense of humor. And this creates a huge amount of room for play. And I love playing around with it. If you've seen any of my videos on TikTok, on LinkedIn, you'll know I have a very playful sense <laughs> of humor. And that I like acting, playing different roles. I like playing around with different effects and features. And that's all come about by having a space and a willingness to do. If I was to sit there and think, okay, well, I'm going to do this video and I'm going to spend a load of time on it. And it's success of this video, whether it gets me business, whether it gets a thousand likes, whatever. The success of that determines whether I do another one again. Wow. That makes it very high stakes, right? Because there are so many uncontrollables when you put a post onto a social media platform. You've got no idea if it's going to do well or not. All you can do is send it out with good intention. And safe in the knowledge that somebody who needs to see it will see it. Then send it on its way. And then move on to the next one. Sure, there are things that you can learn. Remember, there's no failure. There's only feedback. By playing around, for example, by playing around with different styles, with different timings, with different content ideas, that enabled me to figure out what worked for me as a content creator and what worked for my audience, what worked for the people that I was trying to communicate with. And this was very empowering for me because I was learning on the job. And the more that I was learning the more I was kind of going, all right, well, that doesn't work and that doesn't work. Oh, that really works. I need to do more of that. Oh, I really enjoyed that. Let's do more of that. Or, okay, 
hmm, how can we make that a little bit better? How can we turn that up a little bit? Let's dial that down a bit. And there was just so much room to explore. And that is the sweet spot. Because again, if you're searching for perfection, if you're putting yourself constantly in this high stake mentality that you've been in since the school days, where I've got to do this right, and if I don't do it right, then it's a failure. You're going to do it once. And say the only person who watches your video is your mom. You're going to think, well, that's it then. Give up. Whereas that's your first step. It's not your first and last. That video is your first step. Your first step. You take another one. You play around with it. You do something else the next time. You play around with it. You're constantly looking for feedback and adjusting as you go. And the more that you do it, you're going to grow in confidence. You're going to grow in competence. And in no time, you're going to be looking back and thinking, wow, look how far I've come. And why was I so worried about getting started in the first place? And off you go. You're off to the races. And you're going to be in a position where you can get into a flow state. I know I've mentioned that a few times already now. But a flow state is where magic truly, truly happens. Where time literally becomes irrelevant because you are so immersed in an activity. Now, this is something I learned at a very young age when I used to do creative activities such as coloring Color by numbers. I used to love color by numbers. Spend hours doing them. Word puzzles. Writing poetry. Writing stories and lyrics. Time would literally disappear. I'd start it like, okay, it's one o'clock. Okay, I'll just do five minutes. You look back up, you know, three hours have gone. And it just feels like that. It's gone in a flash. But it doesn't matter because you've been so immersed in what you were doing. That is a flow state. That is a flow state. And that's where creativity is at its highest. You get into that place. You're going to be doing all sorts of stuff. You're going to be playing around with stuff. And time just simply doesn't matter anymore. And I love that. I love that work. And... I was fascinated when I first came across the, the fact that this was a concept um, by Mihai Chiksen Mihai or something like that. It's an absolute nightmare to pronounce. He's a very prominent um, social scientist. And I know I've watched quite a few of his TED Talks and, and read a lot of his books and stuff. And he's always had fun with uh, people trying to pronounce his name. But flow state is something that is a gift. And a gift in, in this busy day and age that we simply don't give ourselves because we're all too busy. We're all got to do our emails. We're all got to constantly be checking our social media feeds. We don't have time to do that. Oh, no, I'm too busy. and I've got to do this job and that job and this job. 
And this eliminates that opportunity for people to really immerse themselves in a task and find creative solutions to brainstorm, to mind map, to see what is possible. And you see these skill gaps, these knowledge gaps, these creativity gaps that are increasing in the workplace because people are coming out of the school systems, out of social systems, conditioned to fit into boxes and not willing to upset the existing order, the apple cart, through fear that they might get fired. And this becomes even more of a problem when you've got issues in society like the cost of living crisis with post-pandemic, with people cutting their labor forces. What do you think happens next? And now we're seeing the rise of the machines, which has caused an absolute furore on LinkedIn in multiple media channels where people are like, what happens next? Where does this go? Is this finally the route to Skynet? One of the things that does worry me a little bit with our increasing use of digital technologies and marginalization of creativity in the school system is you're seeing more and more apps that are created to simplify life, to save us time, which creates friction to actually do a task. So take AI, you know, the creator economy is up in arms about this at the moment because you've got that black and white thinking, well, the machines are going to take our jobs. Well, not necessarily. You know, I think you're asking the wrong questions and simplifying the argument when you say that, because I think the machines themselves are tools, tools designed by humans to solve perceived problems. In a lot of cases, that's time and energy. Now, a lot of people, certainly in the creator economy, are worried about this because they believe that this will make their jobs obsolete. I don't believe that to be the case at all. Yes, in the capitalist bottom line first culture that we live in, you can see some accountants right now thinking, well, there's a load of stuff we can wipe off our expense accounts. And they're like uh, rubbing their hands. At, they've just added an extra couple of zeros on their, uh, on their bottom line. Now, that could be the case. Maybe I'm being cynical. But it's easy enough. But you can see why people are getting worried. You know, you go on to something like chat ET phone home or whatever it's called. I always get the GPT or whatever it's called. I always get it mixed up. Now, you can see why people are worried about that, because literally with a few clicks of a button, you've got blog articles, you've got web copy, you've got sales pages. Now, certainly with the tech right now, those copies that are being spat out are functional, for sure. But they're very generic. And the way to make them better is by good quality input. So you need somebody that actually knows how to ask the right questions to put those inputs in to get successful output. This is the basic fundamentals of any algorithm. An algorithm responds to the inputs. 
and will then therefore give you outputs that it expects or is predicting that you will benefit from or like or will give you the result that you need. So for me, when I look at AI and how I'm using it in my job, yes, it does save time, saves massive amounts of time in terms of streamlining some processes. Now, for me, I love writing. I love writing. I love creating videos. I can do that. I've got the time for that. I really, really enjoy it. That's not the case for everybody. Some people think, again, I'm not creative. I'm not a writer. I don't have a creative bone in my body. So the prospect of creating content for their social media or putting a blog post or creating web copy for their website. Yeah, not much fun. And if you're a startup, you might not be able to afford a good quality copywriter. So I see the dilemma. You don't have the time and the energy to do it yourself. And now you've got the solution where you can literally say, I am uh, an accountant and I specialize in year end accounts. I work with this type of people. Write me a sales page. And you'll get a functional copy out of that. It will be functional and it might have been completely plagiarized, which is the danger, because if it is, then that's going to impact your SEO and your reputation because Google will just flag it that it's literally been copied from somewhere else in the Internet. And reputation wise, if somebody spots that copy and goes, oh, yeah, that's where... That's my site. It's being copied off. You've got yourself a problem, a problem you really, really don't want to deal with because that can get messy. Now, a good solution right now is, and I love this idea. I was, I was reading the transcript of a podcast um, carried out by Deloitte recently, and they were exploring the possibilities of AI. And one of the participants said, I'm a quick speaker. I love talking. I'm able to create so many ideas when I just talk. But when it comes to typing, I'm a slow typer. It does my head in. I can't do it. So she's got tools now where she just literally speaks into it. And the AI tool will transcribe it for her. And it's all formatted. It's all organized. All done which frees her up to do things within her zone of genius. Now, that makes a hell of a lot of sense because there's so many people doing busy work, which leaves little room to focus on their zone of genius and to focus on creating creative solutions within that because they're too tired from having to bloody type up their transcription notes or do their research notes or, in my case, edit hours worth of content. You know, for me right now, I love creating the content. I even like editing it, but it's a time consuming process. And if I'm constantly editing, that limits the amount of time I have to serve my clients and to actually do something else. <laughs> I don't want to be working 25 hours a day. I don't know about you. You want that? Go for your life. 
So there are tools out there, again, for me as a startup, where I can go in and find editing tools where I literally will just put in a bit of long form content and it will transform that into short form content. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. So I love those particular tools. They were created by humans for humans. Like I said earlier on, they saw a problem. They created a solution. Now, the issue with that, again, in the creator economy is could that put editors out of a job? Now, I don't necessarily believe that's the case because the editors are well placed to be able to leverage these tools. Because I understand the tech. I like tech. I'm not afraid of tech. But there are so many people out there that are afraid of the tech that haven't simply got the time to put the prompts into GPT. Haven't got the time to upload and sift through edited content. And that is when, in, when you've got a growth mindset and you're being creative, you can think, okay, well, the tide is changing a little bit here. Society is moving in this way. So how about I think of a different way, a creative way. So how about I think of some other solutions so that I don't literally have to go find a new job? That is creativity at work. You are responding to the inputs that are coming at you and thinking, right, okay, what can I do here? And I love that because I fundamentally believe there is always, always, always a solution. There are always opportunities. There are always gifts to learn and get from any situation. So it is possible to still be creative with all of these tools. Now, the threat is for some people that this, again, with the way that the system is at the moment, it will continue to marginalize creativity. Because people will be thinking, especially the younger generation, they'll be thinking, well, why learn about it if I can just get a machine to do it for me? Or I can pay someone to do it for me. And this I worry about because then it just creates this feedback loop where creativity will just be marginalized and people won't get to truly experience the joys of creativity in whatever area they are interested in, that they will look for shortcuts, that they won't experience trial and error, that they and as a result of that, we won't have those happy accidents that have led to some of the biggest breakthroughs in society that have put humans where they are right now, put you where you are right now through your active imagination by going left instead of right, by asking yourself, okay, what's right? What's possible here? What can I do here? By experimenting, by finding the joy from, okay, well, I made a mistake here, but what can I learn from this? And that's the power of creativity. And we've all got it. And it's something that we should all honor in ourselves because it truly is a gift. 
It truly is a gift. We can all turn weaknesses or perceived weaknesses into strengths. We can all do that by getting into a flow state, by trying, by putting one step in front of the other. Think about it right now. Think about where you are right now. Think about something that you do now that's almost second nature to you. Be that a language, be that a skill, be that riding a bike. Let's use that example. Remember that time, that first time you got on a bike. It's terrifying, right? That feeling of not being in control, of wanting to go, of wanting to absolutely fly down the road, but you're scared to fall off. Now imagine if every single kid, that first time they fell off or had a little wobble, just went, nah, not doing that, never again. Sad, isn't it? All those little adventures people have on their bikes, hanging out with their friends, exploring new parts of their towns and villages for the first time, feeling the wind flow past your head, that sense of freedom, all comes from learning how to balance how to move forwards without falling off. Picking yourself up when you do. Even if you've hurt yourself, knowing, okay, I won't do that again. <laughs> that hurt. <laughs> so I need to do it differently next time. Now, it doesn't always have to be painful in life. It doesn't have to be painful at all. But it does involve putting one step in front of the other. And learning as you go. And that for me is the greatest gift of creativity. And that's why I think creativity is going to be one of the single biggest assets an individual, a company, a society can have moving forwards with all the potential challenges that lay ahead of us. Being human. Being creative and exploring what is possible is going to help you stand out in infinite amount of ways moving forwards. So my invitation to you, wherever you are in the world, is, you know that thing you've always said, yeah, I'd love to be able to do that. Why not start today? What's the first step? What's the first step that you need to take to be able to start doing that? And then ask yourself what is possible as you start learning that language, learning to dance, learning to draw, learning to sing, learning to run a business. What is possible? Keep on dancing around the edge of your understanding, your comfort zone. See what is possible. Go to that point. Enjoy that moment. Immerse yourself in what you've done. 
then see what else is possible beyond that. It's exciting, isn't it? I'm excited about it. And I'm going to finish with a very short, sweet espresso shot of confidence to punctuate that point. And I'm going to quote, like I did at the beginning, Albert Einstein here. Creativity is intelligence having fun. Learn to play more. See what is possible. And enjoy all the happy accidents along the way. I'm excited to see what you come up with. So go and enjoy. And thank you as always for listening. It's been an absolute pleasure to spend the last however long this episode has been with you. So before we ride off into the sunset, please remember to subscribe wherever you're listening or watching this episode. And as always, don't forget to be awesome.